Today on the show, we're going to hear from a guy from Idaho who made his way to Oregon and then into the NFL as an offensive lineman. So many awesome stories that we're going to be hearing today. We touch base on the Little League experience uh, where he was playing and how uh, weight, weight, like somebody's body weight actually plays in the psychological impact on young kids and maybe some potential you know, solutions to that. Uh, particular topic. We're going to be talking about the hard work ethic that he had and what it takes to compete at the next level, the transition from high school to the college level, what it was like playing for Chip Kelly in that Oregon system. We're even going to talk about the blunt punch that happened at Boise State. We're going to be talking about the guys he played for and played with in the NFL and the things that he learned. There are so many amazing topics today on the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost. This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show, five and a half years running in this one. And uh, man, we have had so many awesome guests on the show over the last five and a half years, just uh, amazing conversations throughout that time and learning so much from the, the people that have been on the show. And today is no different. We're going to be learning from our guests. Super, super excited. And before we jump into that interview, I just want to take care of some housekeeping items and make sure you guys are checking the description of this podcast. You'll see a couple of links there. If you guys uh, want to take advantage of some of the deals that we have through this podcast platform, uh, Canva being one of those. You guys, if you follow me on social media, which if you don't, go follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I, I just love conversing with anybody who follows the show. But you'll notice a lot of the audiograms and stuff that I do, I utilize Canva for that. So I would just recommend you guys, if, you go, if you're a content creator and you want to utilize Canva for some of your content, whether it's posts, reels, whatever, I have an affiliate link for you there if you want to utilize that um, through the Game Time Guru. Go check it out in the description and uh, take advantage of that. And just want to say thanks to everybody for helping us grow this podcast. If you, if you enjoy this interview, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps it grow. So like I said before, we, we've got a special guest here on the show. Super stoked about this one. Former professional athlete here. And we're going to kind of dive into the world of, a, of alignment, uh, which is the first for us here, which is going to be pretty sweet. Um I got Mark Asper joining the show. Mark, thanks so much for joining us, man. Absolutely. Happy to be here. This is super, super cool for me. I uh, have the opportunity to chat with a guy who, you know, there's some local ties here. I mean, I'm as people know, I'm from Idaho. The show's all across the globe, but from Idaho. So I, he kind of has some ties to this area in the, in the region and whatnot. So, Mark, I want to rewind the clock. Before you even get to your professional career and kind of pick your brain there, I want to rewind the clock and kind of talk to you about your sports background as, as a youngster, uh, was football your main focus or did you compete in multiple sports growing up? And I guess, when did you actually realize that you wanted to compete? So being the first offensive lineman on here, first, I got to say, come on, man. Like, you know, if you're, if you're talking, if you're talking football, I mean, we we're almost 50% of the, uh, and, and if you run in a jumbo package, we can be 50% of the offensive team on the field You're right man no but uh offensive linemen by nature we are usually now there's some exceptions there's some guys that are just 
athletes that turn into linemen, but most offensive linemen and defensive linemen at some point in their younger years are, are, are fat kids. So I had no interest in sports. <laughs> I was big. I was athletic. Right. But I did not want to, I did not want to play football. I did not want to play, you know, any of that stuff. I was just like, eh, uh, <laughs> luckily I had uh, a savvy, ambitious, motivated mother who was like, no, nah, you're, you're going to, you're going to put this size and athleticism to good use. So she got me involved in football. Uh, I started in the fourth grade in Southeast Idaho, where I grew up, they had grid kid football. If you weighed a certain amount over a certain line, you had what was called, you were X'd out. You had to wear a big black X on your helmet. You could only play offensive line. Uh, I played up I played up every year. So when I was a, a fourth grader, I played on the fifth grade team, fifth grade, I played on the sixth grade team and I was still too big for those teams. And I was X'd out. So I didn't really like football when I was younger. I had a hard time getting into it. Cause I'm like, all I do, you know, you go play football at recess, tons of fun. Everybody gets a chance to catch the ball, throw the ball, run, score, have a good time playing offensive line initially and only being allowed to play offensive line and tackle football was kind of tough. Not a lot of fun. Hadn't really caught the vision and like the the true like nature of offensive line and, and just being able to punish people and all that cool stuff that comes later. I hadn't caught that vision yet. But I'd say at around sixth grade, I had kind of an epiphany where I was like, man, I don't have to just kind of get through this. I could I could be really good at this because I was like, I'm I'm and I started to I started to get after it. And I started to compete. And I started to have more fun with it. And then, and then, I wasn't just another big kid. There was like, oh, this is a big kid who wants to get after it and wants to mix it up. And I would, you know, we would do this warm up lap. The the field that I practiced at, it, they had like this, you know, it was probably you know, not quite a mile around the fence, and that would be like our warm up lap. Yeah. And I would always just, you know, jog in the back of the pack with the rest of the offensive linemen. <clears throat> but one day I was like, I wonder how close I can get to the front of the line. And so I started to to run as hard as I could during the warm up, not not save any energy or just take the, you know, the the excuses or the the exceptions that I was given, like, oh, well, you're a big kid. All oh, you play offensive line. So you don't, you're not, we're not expecting you to be at the front of the pack. Rather than just accepting that and taking that, I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can, if I can beat everybody in this warm up lap. And first time I did it, the coaches, you know, I came rolling in first and they turned and they looked at me and they're like, what are you doing back here so soon? And I was like, oh, I, I beat everybody in the warm up lap. And they were like, what? And anyway, then I got into high school and yeah, I did all sports. I did basketball. I did football. I wasn't a big, you know, the school was a bigger school in Idaho, but it's not that big in you know the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, so I did football. I did basketball. I ran track. I did ballroom dance. I did as much in high school as I could do just because I wanted to have fun. Oh man. Okay. You just, I'm taking notes right now, as you said that, because we, we need to come back to that. You just kind of briefly passed over i did ballroom dance blah, blah, blah. like you yeah. just ran through some stuff so we'll, we're going to talk about that because that's not the first time i've actually heard of that piece um for for like big time athletes so 
I want to touch base on that here in a second, but I kind of wanted to rewind. I took some notes here again to what you said before. And, and, and this is really interesting to see your, your background because it wasn't something that you were necessarily passionate about at first, but you kind of grew into this as you were mentioning going through grid kids and, and whatnot. But I too had an experience when I was playing Optimus football back in the day with the weight. And you mentioned getting X'd out. That was kind of what they called it, right? Getting X'd out. You could only play offensive line. I kind of want to pick your brain on that because to me, back then, it was a big deal to me. I mean, obviously, this is late 90s, early 2000s when I was in Optimus football. But I remember, for me, like, I was 90 pounds. And the, for the fourth grades and fifth grade level, that was too heavy. And so I had to play offensive line. And I remember that kind of psychologically was a tough thing. And you're talking about back then, like, this was Xing out. Like, there's a phrase for it and everything did you feel like there was any kind of psychological impact that had in regards to weight for you as a kid or did you not really care about it that much like did that not really phase you in that aspect no it's i you know i have i have daughters now that are getting into middle school and you know i my wife and i talk about this all the time middle school sucks for everybody i don't know anybody that had like an enjoyable middle school experience (laughs) and and just that being in that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade years where eighth grade wasn't so bad. You're kind of coming out of it and you're getting into high school and people are, are, are starting to mature a little bit better. But that fifth, sixth and seventh grade years. Yeah, those weren't very fun because every every game, I'd, every game I would go to, they they'd pull out a, a scale and they'd want to they'd want to weigh you. And every game, my parents had to bring a birth certificate to prove that I was not older than my cohort and they you know just that every game and every every opportunity to compete before anything started out they were it was like a oh well wait a minute you're you know we have to check and make sure that this is legit and i was actually talking to my cousin just the other day at a barbecue their their son is is in that same range he's 13 years old and he's just not uh they're like he's not doesn't have that fire that competitive drive and I think, yeah, being being a bigger kid, you get you get put into like a protective mode. Parents, adults, teachers, coaches, everybody's telling you like, well, you know, you have to take care of the, you know, watch out for the little people. Be careful, you know, don't run them over. And you're like you're very like reserved with your right. with your strength or your size, and then. And, and then in football, you know, it's supposed to be this, you know, this place where you're supposed to shine. It's, it's better to be bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. But wait, nope, X'd out. You can't be you can't be as big. You know, you're still getting punished for being big. You're still being, you know, you can't carry the ball because it's unfair. And I get the two, the, the, the other side of the coin where there's these little kids that haven't hit puberty yet or they're really undersized and they want to be out there and they want to compete like <laughs> – because I know talking to my older brothers, there was a time when they had like, you know, or some places have different weight divisions. Like they uh-huh. have a heavyweight division and then they have like a lightweight division where, you know, they you know, kids will compete in that in that space. So I understand it's it's tough either way, but it wasn't ideal. And I see a lot of kids, you know, I'm helping coach. I help coach high school football and I see a lot of big kids around the hallway. And I'm like, why don't you play football? And it's because they they got X'd out when they were sixth and seventh grade. And they're like, I have zero interest in being a part of this because it's not any fun. And I don't get to be, I don't get to be me and I don't get to play the way I want to play or do the things that I want to do. 
And so they, they, they exit the world of football before it gets really fun. Right. See, that's I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad that you, you were able to kind of share that insight here because it's something that I wasn't even expecting to talk about, but I just thought of it when you were talking about that because yeah, there's a psychological impact and see, I talk to my friends about this, Mark, all the time. I'm a former boxer. I love, I mean, I fought for golden gloves. I loved it, but like, that's where like the weight is important, right? Like you, you have to kind of hit weight. And if you're not psychologically ready for that either, that can be a tough thing, but you won't almost understand the reason why you're doing that. Like, okay, you have weight divisions for a reason. Cause when you're getting punched in the face, like it's a little, a little different situation, but so you don't get as psychologically impacted, even if you're fighting at a young age, like it, it's a different thing, but in football, this is what I used to tell people like in football, you're expected like if you, you want to be big, it's not a problem to be big. However, like you said, it's like, but when you're younger, it's like, hold on. Like you're supposed to have this opportunity to be free range. You don't have to be watching your weight and whatnot. You just have to be able to go out there with some aggression and play. And then they, they almost sort of hold you back. And it's unfortunate. I don't know if there's necessarily, I see the reasons that they, they, they claim that it's for safety. And I can understand that to an extent. Do you, without being a dead horse, I guess we, we can, I just want to say, do, do you have, any ideas of how they could make that better? Like, would it just simply be let them play kind of thing? Or is there any way that we can preserve the safety of the sport at a young age without the psychological impact that you're just talking about? I don't know what the, what the solution would be. I was you know, thinking about that after the conversation with my cousin about, you know, being on the bigger end. I was like, you know, oh, just, just turn them loose, but then you'll have, I think you'll have the you know the same thing in reverse, especially right now in the last decade with you know with the NFL and the concussions and a lot of that a lot of that emphasis and 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 uh, player safety and, and the declining you know enrollment in you in youth football across the country. I think that is a big component of you know player safety being something that you don't do, and maybe maybe that is the solution because something that has sprung up in this in the last 10 years that didn't that didn't even exist when I was younger are these like flag football leagues I go out to these flag football leagues and I see big kids that would be you know I'm like that kid's gonna be an offensive lineman or that that kid's gonna be a lineman when he gets into high school running around playing flag football and having a great time because you know it's not there there isn't like a um you know a compounding interest or, you know, kids who get in and start playing tackle football when they're in the fourth grade, they're not miles ahead of a kid who comes out and starts playing tackle football when they're a freshman. Right. I hear a lot of people, a lot of parents will ask about, you know, when, when should I start you know, letting my kid play football? And I'm like, you know, it's not, I, I know, I knew dudes in college and I knew dudes in the league that came out and played football their senior year of high school. That's it. They're freak athletes. They came out, they balled out, and they moved on. It's not like, well, I've been playing football since I was in the you know ten years old, and so I have this extra knowledge or extra advantage or extra skill set that somebody else who doesn't doesn't join the game early has. So maybe that could be it. We just kind of you know de keep diminishing tackle football for younger age kids because it's just, yeah, that, that, that size disparity, it's just not as, you know, not as necessary. You don't, you don't learn anything in, you know, those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade years that is, that carries over. Like I, I have, I have zero techniques or zero things that I've learned from that age group that I carried on to high school or that I carried on into the pros. Right. Right. 
That's a good. That's a that's a good one. I hope people who are listening to this kind of like take note. Not not necessarily saying, oh, we got to switch everything you're doing, or if your kids are playing tackle foot, but just like keep that in mind uh, moving forward. I think there's a lot of parents. It goes unspoken though a lot of times that are dealing with this for their kids. They kind of worry about their kids in that particular situation. It does happen, and so if you guys are one of those parents, please take note on that. And you know, maybe you can you, you have those other options. Maybe look for some of those other options, those flag football leagues and so forth. Because, yeah, I don't think it's it, it's spoken about enough. And if it is, I think sometimes the wrong ideas said, like you said, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever. Like you're not learning that. But you're understanding the game and the concepts of the game. Yes. But yeah. you can learn that through other like you can learn that through flag football, too. Uh, it's not like you're bringing the technique and all that stuff because you haven't even fully grown into your body yet. You don't fully understand that. And the other side of the ball, they're not as as athletic at that point either. It's like you're not you're not facing that talent where it's required. So. As you move forward, Mark, in, in your career and you get into the high school level, um, obviously you started to take off. You, you started to be known, uh, started to, to be compete at a very high level at your position because that took you to the college and then to the, the NFL level, um, which is very rare. Like it's very hard to get to that point. And you obviously started to excel. Um, I'm curious for those high school athletes that are that are sitting here, like when did you start getting looks from the big schools and so forth for college. Was it early in your high school career or was it late? And uh, I guess what were you doing in high school that was setting yourself above the others or setting yourself apart from the others to make sure that you were ready for the next level of football? Yeah. So I know the game's a little bit, <clears throat> a little bit different now as far as, you know, recruiting and social media and highlight tapes and, and, um, you know, huddle and, and the access to, to be able to like make your own highlight reel and get your game tape out there and, and, and stuff like that. I, I kind of took a more old school approach in, and I, I tell kids this all the time. I'm like, if you want to go, if you want to get noticed or get recruited by a, a university or a school, go to their camps, go to their, go to, they, they put on every, university every college puts on some kind of summer camp or skill camp or anything like that go to those camps make sure it's a good fit for you as much as it is for them like meet the coaches meet you'll know, see the culture see the campus and the facilities and all that stuff take take up take advantage of those opportunities to see if it's a good fit for you and be like you know this is where you want to go make sure that's that they know you exist and that you're out there because that's what i ended up doing i went to um first thing i went to where i kind of ended up on somebody's radar we went as a team camp. Um, we went to Washington State University, um, and I was a those so between my freshman and and sophomore year, <clears throat> and I went to this camp, and I, I we we brought a bunch of linemen, but we we didn't really bring a tight end, so I ended up playing tight end at that camp, and just yeah balled out and, and caught touchdowns and did all this great stuff and they're like oh this big kid big athletic kid from idaho falls and i got on their on their recruiting tracker and then i went to a camp at like utah state and did the same thing and balled out and ended up on their watch list and then i and i went to a camp in like montana and like think about you know you think about like the, the business of, of scouting like college scouts there are millions of high school athletes right and these guys can't go to every game. They can't go to everything. So they, you know, they, they share, they, they share notes, they share work. Just like, you know, you listen to sports talk radio, people, they copy each other's takes or copy each other's right. points of view, right? College scouts are kind of the same way. If they see somebody on your list, that's, that's a high, you know, oh, this guy was on your list. 
you know, so I was on the Pac-10, one of the, you know, a Pac-10 schools, you know, prospect list. And I was on a Mountain West school prospect list. And I was on a, you know, another school, you know, another conference's watch list. And that that's when the fire took off. I started getting letters uh, for, you know, requests and for, for tape and film and, and calls and visits from all over the country at that point. Because I showed up on multiple recruiting lists, scouting lists. And then it was just a wildfire. And I didn't understand college football and how it really worked. I didn't watch, you know, I watched my first full college football game once I was in college. Like Saturday was a work day growing up for me. We watched tons of, of, of pro football on Sunday, but like I didn't watch college football at all. I didn't understand how conferences worked or what, which schools were better than others. Like it was all kind of a blur at my high school. There hadn't been people that had gone through that. So it was brand new to my coaches, brand new to me. Like it was all so like unknown. So if anybody ever gets to that point and really wants, you know, some information, like you know, reach out to you, reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who's like, <laughs> who's just lost in this, like in that realm to be like, Hey, this is, you know, this, this is how you get where you need to get. You know, what's cool that you just said that, that is where I think a lot of, athletes are at though like they don't even some of them don't even realize it they don't even realize like what that next level is like so first off the camps i hope people go back and take notes on this i always tell people every episode that i do mark if you have a phone you're listening to the podcast on your phone pull up the notes pad section on your phone whether it's an iphone or an android whatever it is and just take some notes so camps that's a huge deal even with the the highlight films and so forth that you can put together and we've got social media that gets all this stuff i think scouts are uh, you know, they're smart enough to understand at least that like those are highlights for a reason um, and that they're going to have to see more than just that, if especially the bigger schools that they're going to be want to, you know, putting an investment into you for, for the first thing. So if you can go to those camps, that's huge. Camps is a big thing. So it's kind of a lost art. I think the ones that know, know, and they'll go to those, those places, but some kids might not understand the impact of that now, especially kids in Idaho and any other state that's not heavily recruited quite quite honestly, like it's not like one of those states where everyone's like, oh, it's not Texas, it's not Florida, not California. You know, this is Idaho. OK, so just it is what it is. Um, we got a lot of great athletes, but unfortunately, the exposure for them uh, is limited and the respect is at this time limited, but it's growing. So I'd encourage you guys to take what Mark said and and go to those camps or look for those camps of the of the university that you're interested in and, and really see what you're about. You know, um, Mark, as you as you went through high school and, and you're getting ready for the next level, you decided to go to Oregon. Um, Oregon, this is what, this is an interesting topic because you served a mission um, for your church, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, and then you go to Oregon. Now, for those who don't understand in, in the church, of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints and any kind of other religion that does a mission, typically speaking for them, like they'll leave for two years and there's schools that like, like BYU that are really understanding about that. There's other schools, you know, that are somewhat understanding, but I'm curious how, Oregon took it for you having left for two years and come back. Was there any hesitation on their part for letting you come back or did they receive you pretty well when you, you came back and they were still on board? Did they have that same investment into you? Cause I always wonder that about the other schools that aren't necessarily the BYUs and the ones that have a ton of return missionaries on their team. So they, <laughs> they were, they were understanding, but they were also had a sense of urgency, right? Okay. Uh, that first spring, that first spring that I came back, yeah, I was I was not in ideal football shape, and I you know I ended up like <laughs> pulling my hamstring, and you know I was not very impressive in the weight room at all, 
And yeah, I had, I had some, you know, you go through spring training and you have, you know, you have a sit down with the head coach and your position coach. And they kind of tell you like, this is where you're at and this is where we need you to be. And here's the gap between the two. Um, and yeah, they, they kind of let me know. They're like, you know, you've got pretty much, you know, you know, this time next year, we're going to have another conversation like this. And we may, it may be, you may need to find something else to do. Like it was like that bad. They're like, ah. And so that summer I worked my butt off and that, you know, that season I worked my butt off and then winter, that first winter was, you know, same deal, extra, extra, as much extra lifting and as much extra field time as I could get, I took. And then that next spring, you know, I showed out and, and did my thing. And that conversation was much different. They're like, hey, way to go, way to, you know, not just, you know, settle or, or you know, you know, to, to come back and to build and, you know, all these improvements. And I had the most you know, luck, you know, it's one of those things. I had the most, you know, the big, the best improvement in my, in my lifts and everything. But it's also one of those things where it's like, I came in really <laughs> I set the bar really low when I got there. So there was nowhere to go but up, and so, um, and then it and then everything from there was from was smooth sailing. But it was that that initial onset of oh, I got to get back into this, and I got to get you know I got to get ramped up really quick because it was it was very you know not just the physical deficits that I had from not playing football for a couple of years, but just the you know the mental deficit. Like I didn't understand, I didn't realize how little I knew about football until I got there. And they're talking about, you know, three techniques and over defenses and rolled safeties and a rover. And I was like, there's no rover in football. What is a rover? Like what like they're just the terminology and the football IQ and acumen. I was so far behind. I didn't I didn't even realize how far behind I was. And so because that's a huge component to college and professional game is being, you know, it's played between your ears and knowing what the other what the defense is doing makes you a better player, not just being physically stronger or faster than your opponent, but knowing what he's going to do before he does it. That's so interesting. You said Rover, like that's like, I'm not even kidding you. It sounds like a recess term. And so I can understand like why, why like here you come back and you're like, Whoa. And now I, I will speak for myself and I, I'm not, everyone's this way, but I didn't play college football. Okay. Like, that's not me, but I can tell you right now, I served a two year mission in Brazil Okay, I, I went from 2008 to 2010. When I got home from Brazil, there is no way on earth I would have been ready to compete at any level, for that matter, of any athletics. I had lost like 35 pounds over that, and like mentally and all that stuff. I, there was just, and so when I see guys come back from from missions and go and and compete, I just, I it blows my mind that they're able to even get into that because I remember how I would, I went to the weight room, Mark, and this is what's so sad. I was 172 pounds when I got home. <laughs> Now, keep in mind, Brazil, we're not eating a ton while we're there for two years. We're walking like 20 miles a day, didn't have a car, didn't yep. have a, a bike, nothing. So it's a little different situation than some. But like I went to the weight room and I could barely, I'm not even joking, bench 155 pounds. And that that was devastating to me because I came from being an athlete. I was boxing. I was all this stuff. I was 205 pounds when I left. I was doing pretty well for myself. And then I came back to that. And it and mentally, it took me like four months just to even be able to get my get back to my strength and whatnot. And it's just, yeah. So anyway, for those who have, you know, gone on a mission or have had a hiatus of some sort between high school and college, whatever you may have, have done, I commend you guys for being able to come back and be able to, to get in the right mindset and, and, and work physically and everything. So now talking about that transition, that was one of my questions. You kind of alluded to it is the terminology you were, you were with Oregon 
during what we would call like the surge, like the, the, like the resurgence of Oregon. Like they had this surge of some really good years at that particular point. You know, we're talking yeah. like the 2008 through 2012 type area or era, I should say. Um, now, and that offense as well, kind of, st- that was kind of like the, the speed started coming in the spread. So I mean, there was some, that was, it kind of shifted the way it was like almost a, a completely complete change of culture in football from that particular program that you were part of. And so what would you say during that time was the hardest transition? Was it the, the terminology? Was it the physicality? Was it the speed? What was, what was the biggest transition from high school to, to the collegiate level? Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was process time. Like yeah, from high school, you know, yeah, in high school football, you have a huddle, you get the play ready break and you have this time to process the play and what's going to happen from the, from the break of the huddle, you walk to the line, you'd set up, you'd see the defense and you'd have all this time to like process where guys were, what the play was, and you'd have time to communicate with the guy next to you versus what Chip Kelly brought in and what he ran, your time to process and then perform was hyper-compressed. And even more so, like, in practice. Because in the games, in the games, things would slow down. We were actually slower in games than we were in practice because, because of the referees and because of the other team and because of, you know, the TV timeouts and everything that, you know, goes in with the game, like, things were, were slowed down quite a bit but in practice it was you know as many plays as possible as fast as possible because he wanted he wanted things to be just automatic like your 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 ability to to see a defense and, and in one second diagnose what coverage they were in what front they were in what you know this is out of the ordinary and you were on alert for a blitz or something you needed to be able to like because I, I believe that's how his mind works and when I got to the NFL and I met you know the great coaches and players that's how they were but in college, you know, it was like being able to get to that point where you you know you see a defense and in one second you knew what they were doing. Okay. And then what you as an offense, you know, how that would respond. And so everything became like reps and the number of reps that we took and the, the amount of practice that we did and how we did it, it just became like muscle memory. So you knew in, you know, as soon as they said the play, it was, all right, I know exactly what to do in two seconds. You didn't have 15, 30 seconds to process a play, which then helped a ton when I got into the NFL because I had opportunities to play with guys like Eli Manning and Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady. And they would do that where they would change the play in a second at the line of scrimmage. They'd see something and they'd be like, Oh no, nope, we're going to change. It. We're going to do something else. And you had to be able to process that immediately. And some guys, you know, when we get to the NFL, some guys you know, would, would struggle with that. But that part of that part of the NFL was an easier part for me because I'd, I'd gotten to, <laughs> I had to learn to do it in the college ranks. That's actually super cool. You said that because I've heard people talk about it. And sometimes it's these talking heads that are on the sports media realm, like the big time things. They always say, Oh, Chip Kelly's system doesn't translate to the NFL, whether it's his coaching itself or the system itself. Like this is why the players struggling. But that is, I always wondered like what pieces of his game actually did translate. And, and you just saying that kind of answered that question, like the processing time, which people don't realize is a thing because <laughs> things are fast, especially at each level it gets faster and faster. 
Um, most people, like the general fan, wouldn't even be able to listen to a play and comprehend the language that's even said in a play. So, like, that's why I get <laughs> mad at, at people who like talk and have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. When I had Brad Johnson here on the show, he he named a play and for one of the plays that he had in college at Florida State compared to like when he was with the Vikings or with the uh, the Buccaneers during their Super Bowl run. And he rambled off this play. It takes like ten seconds to ramble off the play, like that alone. Yeah. Ten seconds alone, just like. And I'm like, dude, these ca- these casual fans would have no clue what he's even talking about. So anybody who ever wants to talk about that stuff has no clue. But I love that you're talking about the processing time. You have to be able to process the plays, understand the defense. And it's not just the quarterback who scans everything. You have to scan it too because the offensive linemen are extremely intelligent. Um, now, your time at Oregon, you guys had some – you had great quarterbacks. I know that – like this team, this is when the flair started happening. Everybody wanted to look good, feel good, play good, you know, because like Oregon yep. has the sickest uniforms, visors, everything. You have a new uni color scheme every single game, it seems like. Nike sponsoring them. Like it's like – a big deal. Like, there's a lot of money flushed into that school, and it's just such a cool, like it's a flair school. Like everybody, it's it's dope. Now, as a Boise State alum, I'm a Buckeyes fan because I'm an Ohio State guy, but uh, I love Ohio State. But I'm a Boise State grad, born and raised in Boise. But um, obviously, I have my Boise State ties, so therefore, Oregon. There's a little bit of a tiff there. Yeah. I I was on my mission during the blunt punch. Okay, right. but I want to know from your perspective and and your part in the in the uh, I guess the program. One, were you there? And two, uh, what was that experience like if you, if you got to be there for the blunt punch? I was there. Uh, that was, yeah. So that was the first year as like a full-time starter. The, that was my you know sophomore year. So my, my red shirt, my red shirt sophomore year. Um, and it was disappointing that we didn't, that we didn't, do something, you know, didn't perform the way we had, you know, we prepared for and, you know, credit to the to Boise state. They've had, you know, they have really good teams during, during that time as well. And so it was a good game, hard fought. Uh, the aftermath. Yeah. I was there for the blunt punch. I tell everybody as many people as I can, like the, 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 the true, you know, the true story behind that. Cause LeGarrette has come out since, and he's, he's done some interviews and he's talked about, what happened and what was said to him to why he reacted the way he did. And, you know, you know, it's very similar to the, the, um, the miles Garrett, you know, where he took his helmet off and was trying to, you know, trying to kill somebody in Pittsburgh. Like it's very similar to that situation, you know, racial tension. And, and so many people don't realize, you know, different parts growing up in different parts of the country, you don't realize like some of that stuff is very, very real to some, to some people. And, you know, they take that very, very seriously. And you don't mess around with that at all. And so I think it was a learning experience for the Boise State guy. <laughs> it was unfortunate that it happened the way it did. But my biggest takeaway from that was uh, is what, you know, how Chip responded to that. Because that was a Thursday night game. It was, you know, college football season kickoff. We were the only game on TV. So everybody saw it. It was Chip's first year as the head coach. It was our, you know, first year, you know, a lot of high expectations. And here we come out opening night. We don't play as well as we're supposed to. We don't put up the points like we usually do. And LeGarrette throws that punch. And so the talking heads, you know, ESPN and everybody, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, lots and lots and lots of conversation. Well, Chip's got Chip's got two options. One, he can keep LeGarrette and kind of throw away like any integrity of, of a program of like consequence and, and, and or action and consequence. He can throw it all away and just, you know, keep his, his starting running back and just kind of lose the team. 
Or option two, he gets rid of Legarrett, throws him off the team, and you know sets a precedent of this is what I'm all about, hard nose kind of a deal. And instead, Chip, he comes in on Monday morning. He's like, listen, we're not doing any of that crap. We're going to do what's best for Legarrett. We're going to keep him on the team. He's got to, you know, football has to be a privilege. Football is a privilege, and he has to understand that. He's got to go to class. He's got to go to counseling. He's got to, you know, do all the things that he's supposed to do. And if he earns his way back on the field, so be it. And that was Chip's, you know, the magic that he had as a coach that I think a lot of coaches miss. He was able to balance what's best for the individual as well as what's best for the team. He did it so many times, like effortlessly, to where then we kept LeGarrette. He did what he was supposed to do. He ended up coming back at the end of the season. It was great. He goes on to the NFL. He gets, you know, offensive rookie of the year. He, he ends up on, you know, three Super Bowl championships with the Patriots and the, and the Eagles, you know, and his life is great. If LeGarrette had been kicked off, He'd have gone back to Mississippi, never would have graduated college, probably would have given up, you know, never played football again. You know, who knows where he would have ended up. But Chip took the like the 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 best of both of those things and like found a way to do what was best for him and maintain the team culture and integrity to where we we went to the Rose Bowl that year. We went to the national championship the next year, and then the Rose Bowl the year after that. Like he kept, he balanced it out, did what was best for Garrett as an individual and what was best for the team. No, that's super cool. And it kind of reminds me of Saban once he did a, a press conference about that, like how people just want the coaches to just make these extreme decisions. And he said something similar. So I think that's cool. It speaks to Chip's his greatness, really. If you really think about that, like it, like you said, not every coach is the same way in that regard, but and, and they don't have that skill set. But yeah, one one action, if he would have done the opposite thing, then you know, Laguerre Blunt's career could potentially be completely different. His story is yeah. completely different. And we've seen that happen with some athletes, you know, when, when they make a decision and that kind of spirals out of control. So that is cool to hear from, from your perspective, all of that, all the inside stuff there. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I have, I got connections with the guy who got punched um, at Boise State. I was actually on my mission when it happened. I remember where I was in Brazil, the, the morning after I made my companion, I go to the area where we could open up the internet so I could check the score of the game. And then all of that's all I saw was like, replays of this I'm like what happened it's wild <laughs> so it's, it's crazy and then I come home and obviously I've, I've heard his interview since then and stuff but I just thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on it um you mentioned the big games in college as I as I wrap up your college career here Mark in this interview what was your favorite game that you played was it the national championship was it the Rose Bowl or was there like some sort of rivalry game maybe Boise State I don't know was there a, a, a game that you know rings in your ears as far as like that was a really cool game my favorite one of my college career uh, there are, there's a couple, a couple of really, really cool games. Um, we played that, that same year. So, uh, where we, you know, we crapped the bed versus Boise state. Then we played like Purdue or we had a couple other games and they weren't, you know, they weren't fantastic games either, but then we played the university of Cal. They came to Watson stadium they were ranked number six at the time and we were unranked. And it was like, you know, what is Oregon going to do? Are they going to ever, you know, come out of this thing? And Chip kept promising. He's like, you know, stay the course, do the things I'm telling you, this is going to work. And that game, it all clicked. It was one of those, like, you know, we, we finally come up over the top of the hill. We've been working our butts off for so long. And then it finally, it all clicked. And we, you know, we the offense did what it was supposed to do. The defense did what it was supposed to do. And we blew their doors off and we ended up winning like 42 to three, you know, and oh, yeah. it was just awesome. Just that feeling of 
everything working the way it was supposed to and beating the brakes off of a top 10 team at home. It was like, that was the first time that first taste of it. Like, Oh, this is what we can do. This is how it's going to be for the next couple of years. If we do, if we keep doing what we're doing. Um, and then later that year we're playing Arizona state or excuse me, we're playing at Arizona and the winner of that game, you know, if they beat us, they get to go to the, the, the be the pac 10 representative of the Rose bowl. And that game goes into double overtime and, and their fans tried to rush the field twice because we were ranked higher than them. And they tried to rush the field in regulation. And then we tied it up and the fans had to go back in. And then in overtime, first overtime, they scored a touchdown and their fans came onto the field. They were ready to rush. And then we tied it again and they had to go back into the stands. And then we scored a touchdown and held them, you know, held them to a stop and we won. And that was unreal. Um, there were some games against Stanford, you know, Stanford kind of had our number. They were, that was their, you know, their golden era as well. Andrew Luck, Toby Gerhardt. Uh, and so we had some good battles with them. And I remember um, there was one, they came to Autzen stadium and we stumbled early on and we were like down. It was like, it was like 24 to three. And like, the, yeah. you know, I know the we game were, you're talking about. It was like a 21 point deficit. Yeah. And we were just like, you know, what's going on? And then we, you know, we shut up. We, the, you know, Chip's famous, you know, his, his, his locker room speech. He was like, what's the first thing you do when you've dug yourself a hole? And everybody, it's like, stop digging. Okay. We're going to stop doing all these things that we're not doing right. And we're going to, you know, we're going to flip this thing around and to come back and to beat, you know, beat them after being down that much. You know, that was, that was awesome. Um, but the one that had like the like emotional satisfaction, as much as that Cal game was like the beginning of that like run, like we were supposed to be something special. You know, we went and we played Ohio State in that Rose Bowl that year, and and we lost. And then we played Auburn in the national championship the next year, and we lost. And and so my senior year, we're playing uh, Wisconsin and Russell Wilson in the Rose Bowl again, and to you know to finally win. The, the the end of the, the the last game of the year be a victory instead of a loss and to have that kind of crescendo of all the hard work and everything that we'd gone through as a team for all those years to finally like win the big one at the end yeah that was a really cool uh just you know emotional victory because all the guys that had been there you know a lot of those a lot of the guys on that team had been there you know those last three or four years had gone through that the, the, the failures and you know falling short and so to get again over that hill and be like okay yeah we're we're legit and we're really good that was a really cool game that is so sick i'm like oh man this is what's wild is like i remember some of these things that you're talking about just because i'm a like i, I enjoy the, the sport so like i know the teams and the games like after my mission like the post mission stuff i i remember these games you're talking about which is so weird to me that i'm talking to somebody who was in them that's crazy so throughout that you had i mean playing in that conference and at that high of a level in that conference, for that matter, you had an opportunity to play some some big time names. So when you got to the NFL, Mark, uh, you even you just mentioned earlier Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. You mentioned Tom Brady. I mean, two of those, if not all three, are Hall of Famers, obviously, and and those are big names. I wonder, did you ever have? Did you feel shell shocked at all when you got to the NFL, or were you like, nah, I've been here because I've been playing at a high level for in college for so long. I've played some big time players, or was there a time where you're like, ooh? These are the dudes I've been watching for a minute. So there was there was some of that, uh, you know, but the more the, the the shell shock for me 
wasn't wasn't so much the guys that were playing. It was when I would run into the the legends, the guys that were that I you know that I grew you know that my that I grew up watching that my dad and my you know brother you know that guys would talk about like uh, when I went when I was with the I was with the Miami Dolphins and I, I showed up early and I was going to go watch some film and I come into this room and Dan Marino sitting there you know sitting oh. back he's watching film with a cup with a cup of coffee and he's like oh hey Mark what's up and I was like that's, that's Dan Marino that's that's Dan Marino and he he knows my name ah like <laughs> stuff like that or when I went and tried out for when I went and tried out for the um I was doing a workout with the Denver Broncos before they signed me and same deal you know John Elway was he's in, he's in charge of player personnel and so John Elway is there you know working out with me and watching me and you know coming over and talking to me like hey Mark I want to you know can, can you do this we want to see you do this you know can you do this and I was like whatever you want Mr. Elway like <laughs> so like that that that, that, that tier of, of guys, those are the ones that I would always get like shell shocked with. And I totally, I totally broke like the, the, uh, the, the unwritten rules when I was with in Buffalo, Jim Kelly was there doing like, you know, doing some event and there was this table with a stack of, of his pictures. And I went over and I totally grabbed one and I came over and I was like, Jim, can you, can you sign this for me? And he, he autographed it for me. So I, cause you're like, you know, it's like an unwritten rule. Like, you don't, you know, you don't, you know, ask you know, those dudes for like their autographs and stuff. But I totally, yeah. I was like, it's Jim Kelly. I'm going to, I'm going to get his autograph. Come on. I would have done the same thing though. You're a <laughs> fan too. Come on now. You love the sport for a reason. That's freaking cool, man. Um, Mark. Oh, that's so rad. Here's something a buddy of mine told me. And I want to ask you if this is true because it's in regards to offensive linemen. A buddy of mine played at Idaho state. Uh, he went to Meridian high school, uh, graduated 2008, I believe. Anyway, he goes to Idaho state plays there and he had a tryout it was like the it was like a rookie mini camp so he, even then, it's like the the chances of you even getting signed or any kind of look it's it's tough uh but they yeah. invited him there to to be part of it and he told me and this was it's always rung true he's like man you know i i kind of knew the odds were against me it was going to be tough but he goes i saw these linemen that were pulling guards like pulling guards that were six foot five 300 pounders and he goes, and they're running like a four five forty. Like he's like, they shouldn't be. He goes, I remember because he played safety and linebacker. And he goes, as they were running around and we were doing different drills, I was like, they're not supposed to be moving that fast. Like the guys that size don't aren't supposed to move that fast. And he was being dead. So he's like, I knew I was out of my league. Like it was just like I, I I'm an athlete. I'm good at what I do, but I'm not I'm not there. And that's what he said was his kind of realization moment. Is the speed of the – are you guys really that fast? Like, what What makes you guys so freaking special in the NFL? Because it's like he's talking about these dudes. Did you feel like, yeah, man, I was I was pretty freaking fast for being a bigger dude? Yeah, there is – I tell people there is a, a genetic lottery component to it. Like, you can, you can want it as much as you want, and you can put in as much time and effort and work in, in the weight room and stuff like that. But there is a little bit of just genetic lottery. I remember so when I was <laughs> when I was a rookie in in Buffalo we had flipping you know it turned out you know it, they were only there were only three pro bowlers at the time on the D-line but you know eventually all four of them became pro bowlers we had you know Jerry Hughes we had uh Mario Williams we had wow yeah. um um anyway but those, those two dudes because I was I was playing some tackle at the time. So those two dudes are the most imprinted in my nightmares. But the first time I went up against Mario Williams, I was like, 
what in the world is this guy? 270, like 3% body fat, could out bench, out squat, out jump, out like he was 100%, like in every category, bigger, faster, stronger than me, more athletic. And and trying to block him, his arms, you know, his arms were longer than mine too. So like the very first pass that I took against him, first one-on-one pass rush, he comes off and he hits me in the chest with his long arm. Like I couldn't even, and he turned sideways to do it too, which you know gives you even extra extension. I couldn't even like grab his chest plate. I couldn't <laughs> even like get my hands on the guy. And I'm just like, what in the world? And he you know, pushes me back into the quarterback. And I was like, what just happened? Like I thought, because, you know, in college, somebody does that to you. If you can't get your hands on them, usually you can still sit and anchor and get a hold of him until you can, you know, shorten the distance and get a hold of him. But he was able to, you know, long arm lock me out and just push me back. And, you know, I was I weighed three, about 330 when I was playing. And he was just pushing me back to the quarterback. And I was just losing ground. I was like, whoa, it was just a wild experience. And so you have to learn to, like, you know, you can't just rely on your, your physical abilities because everybody at that level, yeah, is big, fast, and strong, the biggest, fastest, and strongest. And so you had to learn techniques and timings and cues and different things to like be able to not let him get a hold of your chest and lock you out. Like you had to, if that happened, you're toast. So you had to make sure that that didn't happen before it happened. <laughs> wow. And Mario, that see, these are names. It's cool that you got the opportunity to play with such amazing athletes because he was, for those who don't even realize, people are really quick to forget, which is wild to me. They do that in all sports. You'll see anybody talk about fans. They forget how dominant certain players were for the majority of their career because if they, like, play, maybe they have three or something bad years at the end, or I should say mediocre years at the end of their career, sometimes people just immediately forget how much of a dominant force they were. Mario Williams was a monster, dude. Yeah, he was an absolute beast. I, I mean, that's he had a couple of solid, solid seasons where he was just dominating. So it's crazy. Like, it's wild to hear you were able to like compete with him. Mark, you mentioned Buffalo, Denver, Miami. I mean, you've had you had an opportunity to play in various locations, which some would be like, oh, well, there's not a lot of stability there. I actually find it to be kind of a blessing in a sense. I obviously, I'm sure that was probably stressful at times going from place to place and trying to make sure that you're, you know, having a location to play and you have a a career somewhere um but it also it gives you an opportunity to see how different organizations are ran in the nfl and and i i was curious did you have an organization that really like suited you the best i guess like you felt like okay i, I really like this or is everybody unique in their own way uh everybody's unique in their own way and that's what i you know i learned is you know the umbrella the, the mothership that is the NFL, each organization and each team is run like a private business. There isn't like a standard of, you know, weight rooms or player locker rooms. Like it, it's, it's very dependent on the owner and what they want to put into it. And then the coaching staff and the you know, strength and conditioning, like they're all so individualized and different. So each team was an entirely new experience. And uh, a lot of them, it was funny uh, you know, so the last the last team I played for was the New England Patriots, and it was so funny to me. Like once I got there, I I had like I knew like three quarters of their playbook already because every other team had copied plays from from the Patriots because they were <laughs> you know they're I was in the right in the middle of their 
their, uh, you know, decades of dominance. And so it was, <laughs> so I got there and I was like, oh yeah, we used to run this in Buffalo. Oh yeah. We used to run this in Jacksonville. Oh, we used to, you know, these plays we think like, we ran this exact play. Like they had copied it and we're running it in, because it, you know, you've heard probably the term, like, it's a copycat league. Oh yeah. It very much is. It's like, if this, if they see a play that works or an offensive style that works or, you know, something that works, teams will quickly copy that and, and try to implement it in their own offense. I love that, man. Now I know like I, I, I just have a few questions to, to wrap up right now. Cause I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to rewind to the ballroom dancing comment. I wrote that down earlier. <laughs> and as we've learned more about your career and I'm hearing more about like just the college game and then the NFL and stuff you're talking about here, I want to know, Mark, about ballroom dancing. Like, was there any parallels that you took from there to the, to your sports world, maybe whether it be technique or anything, or was that more so just for like your brain to kind of disconnect from football, I guess? So my, my head football coach in high school, his wife was the head ballroom dance coach in my high school. So she came to him one day and was like, Hey, I need a couple of big, strong guys that can dance and can, can pick the girls up and, you know, twirl around and not look totally, you know, one to make the girls look light and you know, tough enough to lift the girls and be able to do the dance without falling over and stuff. So that's, that was kind of like my initial in. And then I learned, I say, and then I learned how to be a good dancer, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we went like, we were, we were really good. We were a really good team. Like we went on to win like, you know, national championships for, like in our division for, for our size of school, like we won national championships in like standard and Latin, you know, in these team formation dance things. And what, you know, I would, I just as often as I would come back and talk to, you know, football team, the football team about, you know, this is what you guys need to be doing to be successful. I, I would come back and I would talk to the ballroom dance team sometimes too. And be like, Hey, this is what, this is what we did that made us successful. The number one thing that I learned from, from that was it didn't always matter. Like we didn't have across the board. We didn't have, you know, 30 tremendous dancers, but we all worked really well together. Like when we needed to be in a straight line, we were all in a very straight line. Like we, we were very good about like our, you know, our court awareness, like our, our field awareness, like where we were, we knew where we needed to be in line relative to everybody else. And in, in football, sometimes you have individuals that are so focused on like, individually what they need to do and how they need to do it that they lose perspective of it's a team sport it's a team game like you can be the best individual player but if you aren't in line with your guys or they you know as an offensive lineman <clears throat> you can be the best individual dude you can be but if the other four guys don't know what you're doing where to go what the play is and you don't communicate that and you're not working together it's garbage and so you know, sometimes people focus so much on individual, like individually, they need to be the best, but football is the greatest team sport ever invented and in that you have to have everybody working together. And that's what like Tom Brady and like those, those off season vacation camps that he does where he like yeah. invites his wide receivers to go you know, up to the mountains to, you know, to hang out for a while. That's all he's doing. He's, you know, these guys are great individually, but he's understood and he's, he bought into it a long time ago. We all have to be working together and we have to know the timing and where we're going to be and all this stuff or else it's just garbage. And so, and then the, you know, the footwork and the balance and the timing and, and, you know, not just getting from, from this, this part of the dance floor to this part of the dance floor, but doing the correct footwork from here to there, 
that carried over into sports a lot too. Like, yes, I can go from here to there and I can block that guy, but there's footwork and there's technique and there's, you know, body positioning that you have to do to get from here to there that was, you know, direct carryovers that I enjoyed. That, that is so rad, man. Good for you, dude. And good for you for like owning that too. I think that's so cool. You hear about guys that talk about like, I do yoga or I do this and you see like dancing with the stars. A couple of the athletes will come out there and do their thing, but don't hear about like the benefits of it very often and how how cool it can actually be and how it translates. I think that's super dope. More guys need to own that stuff. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Mark, biggest life lesson that you learned through football in your entire career, whether that be through grid kids back in the olden days all the way through the NFL, what was the biggest life lesson that you took away from football? Uh, biggest life lesson I learned, this is, you know, I'm, I'm stealing this from my quarterback at Oregon, Darren Thomas, he's the you know first, he's the guy that I heard say this most often, but if something that I knew that he articulated that now I, I copy and paste is the, and you know, other people say it in, in different ways, but there, there is no shortcut. The shortcut is hard work, right? Like so many people try to find a better, easier, faster way to do it. And it's like the faster way to do it is just to work hard. Like you want to get strong instead of trying to find a new way to do it or, or, or supplements or, you know, the NFL dudes that were you know dabbling with, there were so, there were dudes that would spend so much time and effort trying to beat the system, trying to beat the drug test, trying to do something, you know, other ways that it's like, if you put that much time and energy and focus into just doing it the right way, you'd probably be better off. Or dudes that were trying to, you know, cut corners and it would work so hard to beat the system. It's like, or take that time and energy and just work hard. Just go to go to class, go to the weight room, do the workouts, do those things that that, that is hard work. But that is absolutely the fastest way to get to where you want to get. It is the easiest way to get to where you want to get, which sounds ridiculous. That hard work is the easiest way to get where you want to get, but it, it really is. And that's translated over into the business world. It translated over into your marriage and parenting and every other part of my life. It's like, rather than trying to find a way to sneak around or, or, or cut corners or fast track through to something, it's like, nope, just work hard. <laughs> I love it, man. And shout out to your QB over at Oregon, man. That's cool. Mr. Thomas there. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I appreciate the words, Mark, and I'm going to end it with this one and just let people, you know, soak that in, you know, like take some notes there. That that's a, that's a beautiful way to end the interview. Make sure you're working hard. It's as simple as that. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But work hard work is where you're going to see all the results. So you, you don't need to be taking shortcuts, put the work in. And, uh, that's what it is. That's how you get the results. I so glad I got to talk to you, Mark. I just want to say thank you once again for, for joining the show and being willing to share your story with us, man. I, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. Awesome. For those who are listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview. Like I said, at the very beginning, Tell us what you thought. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts about what you thought about the interview, and we'll be coming to you next week with another one. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.